Hello, my love, and welcome to this messy, beautiful life, the podcast. My name is Erin, and I am so, so happy to have you here. I'm a coach and mindset mentor, a recovering overthinker, an imperfect human on a journey of growth, joy, and healing, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. This podcast will explore concepts of self-development, spirituality, and harnessing our brain-body-soul connection for powerful growth and healing. It's my intention to use this space to change the narrative that says, if you are healing, you are broken, because it's just simply not true. The way I see it is that growth and healing is at the heart of us continuing to rise and evolve as humans. So if you are someone on a journey of personal growth and healing, whether it be right at the beginning or currently leveling up and really living the fact that the inner work is never truly done, then you're in the right place. And so my love, let's learn, grow, share and raise our consciousness together through the power of vulnerability and storytelling. I'm so ready for this and I hope you are too. So let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another guest episode of This Messy, Beautiful Life. I have another awesome guest here today to share with you. Eliza Collins is professionally known as the Burnout Witch and is the owner and director of the East West Company, an integrative wellness practice specializing in burnout recovery, coaching, functional medicine, acupuncture, and more. But I will let Eliza tell us more about that. But hello, Eliza. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Erin. I love the name of your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to have you here. And I'm so excited to dive into um, this topic around burnout recovery is mostly what we're going to speak about. But um, I think there's so much in there just in what you offer in your business and even just the things you're interested in life that I think we're going to have a really great and rich conversation today. So um, thank you so much for being here. Maybe if you can tell us a little bit more about you and about your business and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I got into burnout recovery coaching by burning out myself. So I'm not just the president, I'm also a member. <laughs> and um, I, uh, my original training, uh, I, I had planned to be pre-med and I was, I was an emergency medical technician, technician um, in Rochester, New York in the US. And I really liked working with patients and I wanted to do something more hands-on. So I was looking at, at doing pre-med and in the process of doing that, I really wanted to focus more on proactive healthcare mm -hmm. versus the sort of standard approach with industrialized medicine right now, which is a lot of symptom maintenance, which can be incredibly useful. You know, I don't want to downplay the yeah. importance and benefit of, of Western medicine because it does so many amazing things. Um, but Eastern approaches are a really nice complement to that. So I became an acupuncturist, um, instead of doing the med school route, I did the Chinese med school route. Mm. So I started my acupuncture business in 2014, having absolutely no idea how to run a business because <laughs> I was an acupuncturist. I didn't go to yeah. B school. So, <laughs> um, that was a very much a cross this bridge as we build it experience. Mm. Um, and that is, that is a one-way ticket to burnout. I also have a continuing education obsession brought to you by imposter syndrome. So I never, <laughs> like I had enough information. So, and, and I really do just love learning. Like there is that element of it. I'm just, yeah. I think I said in, in my bio, I'm a voracious reader. You know, I, I love consuming all of that, but 
I was kind of on this wheel of like doing a lot of continuing education and trying to run a business that I, I really didn't know how to run because we didn't get that kind of information when we were in school. And about five years in, a company that I contract with um, made some internal changes and they uh, they work with a lot of practitioners in the community um, as independent contractors. And while they were restructuring, they kind of just stopped referring out like wholesale to everybody. Mm. So it wasn't a thing that was personal to me, but it heavily impacted my business. About half of my practice was referrals from that source. And so it like gutted my business overnight. And this was in 2019. And I had a thermonuclear meltdown and I called a colleague of mine who was a really successful acupuncturist. She had started two practices in two countries where she didn't speak the language at the time. Like she's really, really brilliant business person. And I said, how did you do this? Cause I need help right now. And she says, Oh, I burnt out doing that. And you're burnt mm. out and we're going to go on a little adventure and get you less burnt out. And, um, in the process of that, I also got my functional medicine training program. So that all kind of wrapped up into this package after I got the skills to heal from burnout along with my Chinese medicine training and my functional medicine training, it created this really nice marriage where I have a lot of skills. I have this really comprehensive toolbox in order to work with people to help them through the kind of situation that I went through, which I now understand from a very personal perspective. Mm, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, not fantastic. Obviously that is just such a, <laughs> that's when, like, when we started talking before we hit record, I was like, oh, burnout's great. And I'm like, no, burnout is not great, but I'm glad that we're talking. I'm glad that we're talking about these things and I'm glad that we're, we're normalizing it. And we're, we're normalizing the fact that you don't have to work yourself into the ground either in particular moments that you're so burnt out in a moment or it's just chronic and it's ongoing and it's it's forever so I I love that we're having these conversations particularly as people start to look at working in different ways and accepting that we have different ways of being and working but also that entrepreneurship or business ownership is not the walk in the park or the picnic that it's made out to be sometimes. Like it is amazing, but sometimes we just end up repeating the habits that we've that of traditional kind of work environments into our own business, if not so more, because it's our baby, it's our passion, and it's our love. Absolutely. It's really hard as an entrepreneur when you are passionate about what you do to turn off. And there's that sort of old adage, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like... <laughs> Can I curse on here? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, I work twice as hard. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't shut off. And so, you know, and the thing is, there's not a lot of structure around entrepreneurial burnout because mm-hmm. everybody has sort of this overarching experience of either not having good boundaries around their business or, you know, not understanding sort of some of the ins and outs and trying to wear all of the hats. That was a big problem for me. Um, and we have concepts of institutional burnout. Mm. So, you know, certain types of jobs or positions or general like work culture of that, you know, I I don't know what you guys are dealing with there, but back in the States, a lot, there's a big push for people to go back to the office where we've been doing work from home for two years. And people are like, why? Mm. I, I, you know, if, if you've got a two hour commute, that's like two hours of your life that you have back. And there's, you know, it's, it, doesn't make sense for a lot of people if you don't absolutely have to be at work and it contributes to this culture of burnout. And it's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. There's that culture. When you're an entrepreneur, 
you kind of don't have anybody to blame but yourself, but you do because that is <laughs> entrepreneurial culture. Like, again, it's not your fault. You just wanted to start and run a successful business, but there's no template for that. So it does make entrepreneurs much more prone to burnout. And we don't have an HR, a structure yeah. where we can go to and say, like, I'm, I'm kind of wrecked. Like, do we have a leave of absence program? Do we have you yeah. know, these kind of things? Do we have a, a referral program for like psychologists or psychiatrists or something like that? You know, we don't have that kind of structure. So entrepreneurial burnout is very unique. And it's not something that's really been talked about because there was that idea of just loving what you do and having it be a walk in the park because you enjoy it. So you should feel good about it. And there's a lot of shame around that. If you don't feel good about your business all of a sudden, it's like, but this is what I chose to do. And now I'm yeah. resentful of it or I hate it. Yes. So, and what am I doing wrong? What have I done wrong? Yeah. And also just that, that hustle culture that's attached to entrepreneurship, like again, connected to exactly what you said, like if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So there's kind of this expectation that you should be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that that's absolutely fine and acceptable. Yeah, this this sort of misnomer that yeah, like you wake up in the middle of the night with a light bulb and you're so excited because you have this light bulb moment and you write furiously in your diary and you're like, I'm gonna get up and do it tomorrow. And it's like, I mm, know I'm gonna sleep in. I'm hitting snooze six times. I'm exhausted. Yes, yes. So let's talk about um then what are some of the signs of burnout? So if someone's sitting here saying, Oh, I've never really thought about this or actually I think this might be me, how can someone sort of tell that they're maybe heading down the burnout path to try and get in a bit early? So the fun thing about my job is I am a burnout coach and I have this functional medicine background mm. and this Chinese medicine background. So it gives me the opportunity to speak to both the mental and physical um, symptoms of burnout. Yeah. Because a lot of times burnout is treated as a mindset issue. And if you change your mindset, your whole life changes. And it's like, sure, that's great. Are you vitamin D deficient? Because that's mm -hmm. going to be a problem. So from the mental side of things, resentment shows up a lot, um, mm -hmm. particularly around business. If you start to resent meetings with your clients or every time your email pings with a new email coming in and you're just like, oh God, I don't want to deal with that right now. That's an emotion that crops up a lot when you don't necessarily have particularly good boundaries around either internal or external, the way that you show up at work for yourself, like the way you structure your life at work or the way that you interact with other people. And usually it's a combo platter of the two. Um, so that's a really big one um, that shows up. And like difficulty focusing brain fog, that kind of a thing of just like, oh, like I have a word on the tip of my tongue and I can't get to it. Or you just feel really fuzzy or like you're constantly operating at like 70%. Mm -hmm. That's kind of some of that like mental and emotional um, ways that that shows up. Short fuses, if you get angry a little more quickly or you're getting angry over things that like shouldn't irritate you. Mm. Um, that's one that, that usually shows up as well, because you just don't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with things. And then from the physical side, the brain fog also kind of plays into that as well. But I see people, um, experience things like insomnia where they have that kind of like tired, but wired state. So your body's completely exhausted and you're wrecked at the end of the day. And then you go to bed and your brain will not shut down mm. or you wake up multiple times a night or every night at three o'clock in the morning. And no matter what you do, you can't go to sleep. Um, so insomnia tends to be a really big one for people, gastrointestinal issues, and not necessarily huge ones. It's not like there's a change in the way that you process your food, but like 
Maybe you just have some more food sensitivities that you haven't previously had. Maybe it doesn't really matter what you eat, but you always just kind of feel bloated. That was a big one for me. I just constantly felt like a stuffed sausage the entire time. Mm. It didn't matter what I had, whether it was quote unquote healthy or junk food or, you know, something like that. So it, there's kind of a myriad of symptoms and it, it almost falls into this category of like general malaise. Um, burnout can definitely be that heavy, like depressive. I can't get out of bed. That can be a component of burnout, but you don't necessarily have to be depressed in order to be burnt out. Um, when I had burnout, I was depressed when my coach was burnt out, she was not depressed. So those showed up kind of two very different ways, but the way that I think about it is from a physical and maybe less so mental, but you're just not living your optimal life. Yeah everything is just suboptimal kind of across the board, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm so fortunate. I've never experienced that in my own business, but I 100% tick all of those boxes for how I was before I left the corporate world. Yeah. Um, And, you know, was, was definitely on the edge of something. (laughs) I was burnt out. I was potentially on the edge of a kind of a breakdown. I was just, but I didn't, I didn't realize it and I didn't want to admit it to myself because I didn't want to accept what that meant for me, what it meant for me about slowing down, what it meant for me about all of my identity that had been (laughs) attached to that job and an acceptance that maybe it wasn't for me, but now I can accept that it just wasn't for me anymore. But at the time it was more like that was a failure. Yeah as opposed to just an evolution of where I was at and just an acceptance that that's not the way I want to work. Yeah. And it's interesting. That's, you know, a a really nice segue into talking about values, because that's one of the things that we work with with burnout recovery, because so much of the time, you know, in corporate as entrepreneurs, we identify as our business. This is certainly true in America. Like when you want to meet somebody at a cocktail party, the first thing you ask, especially on the East coast is what do you do? Yeah. Not like what makes you happier? What are your hobbies? What do you do? What (laughs) is your job? That is how you, you are defined. That is who you are. And so if you're feeling burnt out in your job, whether it's corporate or entrepreneurship, that's a big hit to your identity if your whole identity is wrapped up in that. And so one of the things that we work with in recovery is your values, Mm. because when you understand who you are in the absence of everything else, which is what you value, you understand how to show up for your whole life. So when you set your values, let's say one of your values is family and you want to have family dinner four nights a week. That's it. That's your value. That's how you show up there. Your other three nights, that can be a date night. That can be a dinner with friends, whatever the case may be, but you've got your four nights. So if you have a week where all seven nights are booked up, you've got a couple of things to do on those evenings. You've got your four dinners with your family. And somebody says, Hey, do you want to like grab a cocktail? I'm sorry. I can't this week. It sets that boundary for you. It lets Mm. you know how to engage so that you don't have to think like, Oh God, do I, do I not have dinner with my family one night this week? It's really important to me. That person can probably wait. Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't have it this week. What about next week or the week after? I'd love to see you. Yes. So knowing your values sets your boundaries and it helps you function in the world with less stress because you're not hemming and hawing everything. You know who you are and that's how you show up in your business. Yes. Yes. Oh, the combination of values and boundaries. 
such a big one. And that was another thing that I think has been such a big learning for me, the importance of boundaries and just how bad slash non-existent mine were at those times where I wasn't kind of connected to myself and was so busy focusing on the external world and the impact that that had on me. So yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about boundaries and from your perspective, the, I guess the role that that plays in in burnout or preventing burnout or even recovering from burnout. I mean, it's essential in preventing burnout and I would say it's essential to recovering from it as well. Burnout recovery and burnout prevention are often two different things because for people who aren't already burnt out, they can do things like meditate. They've got the brain space and the bandwidth for that. And so that's a nice way to prevent burnout. If people are already burnt out, meditation can be really hard because asking somebody to be quiet when they've been in fight or flight mode for who Mm. knows how long, that actually doesn't feel safe to your system. So we can come back to that in a minute. Um, But from the perspective of boundaries for prevention and um, recovery, I really like working with internal boundaries, particularly with entrepreneurs. Um, External boundaries tend to often be in cases where like you've got more people around you. So if you're an entrepreneur who has a business and you're dealing with people and you've got employees or you've got contracts, that's where external boundaries often come into play. But internal boundaries was a big one for me. So when I first started my business, I would answer text messages from acupuncture patients on Sunday at 8 p.m. because Mm -hmm. I was worried that if I didn't get back to them the same day, I might lose a client because I was trying to build a business. No one needs to hear from their acupuncturist at 8 p.m. on a Sunday unless their acupuncturist is open. And if, you know, if that's the way you want to to run your practice and that doesn't burn you out, that's great. Mm. But I didn't have good internal boundaries around answering messages when I was at work. Like I'm, I'm not an emergency room. Mm. If someone's having an emergency, they need to call 911 yeah. <laughs> in the U.S. That's what that's for. Um, and things like emails. I used to craft these incredibly long emails because I wanted to make sure that I was coming across, I was giving everybody all of the necessary information and I was coming across as kind and relatable. I don't do that anymore. That's so much more energy than I need to put in. And I can give you the basics and still be a very nice person, Mm. but I'm not peppering in flowery language and like looking over every single email that I write and taking an hour to write an email that should take me 30 seconds to two minutes, depending on the amount of content. So I had to readjust what my values were around the, what do I value? I value time. I put a lot of time and effort into my business. Anytime that I can shave some of those corners off and give myself back time for myself, whether that's energy to take a walk in the middle of my day, when I have a break on my lunch break or take three minutes to breathe at my desk or focus on a different aspect of my business that I'm not taking an hour crafting an email or answering a text at 8 PM. I value my time enough to set those boundaries with myself. You know, it's not my client's fault that they were messaging me at 8 PM. Mm. It's not my client's fault that I was crafting a gigantically long email that they didn't need anyway, because nobody likes a novella when they open an email, <laughs> you know, those were things that I needed to change within yeah. myself. Yes. Cause isn't this just key? Like this was the big aha moment for me. Like I was like, why are people treating me this way, you know, in the workplace, in relationships? And I just had this big realisation of they're allowing, you, you're, they're treating you that way because you're allowing it. Like that's, that's your responsibility. You know, you're not responsible for their actions, but you are responsible for how you're receiving that and how you set up your relationship with them and how you put in place what I now know to be boundaries. 
um, <laughs> that allow that, you know, and that big realisation of, you know, you know, you read all these things and when I was, before I realised all of the things that I now know and I don't know everything, of course, but this feeling of, you know, you are, I could never quite comprehend this feeling of this, the, sorry, the advice of you are not responsible for other what other people think of you. You are not responsible for how they treat you. And I'm like, yes, but, you know, they should know. They should know not to treat me that way and, and all of that sort of stuff. And just this, I, I see I'm even still struggling to articulate it properly even at this point, but that big, like I could never understand how people couldn't re, didn't react when people treated them poorly, when people didn't. Um, respond in a negative kind of way that they just kind of went well that's on you and so this is where I'm coming from and to be able to respond calmly I just couldn't understand it and as you can see I'm still struggling to even kind of talk about I'm on a journey with it I guess it's a superpower and it's something that I still struggle with as well Mm -hmm. and often for me that shows up as either just sitting with it which I hate. I hate sitting in discomfort. Like I'm, you know, you've heard me talk for however long we've been chatting. Like I don't, I don't sit still. Um, so that was a real challenge to learn how to sit in my discomfort and not immediately try to fix because that's, that's where the good work is because that's where if, if I immediately try to fix, I don't look at myself and my own boundaries and how I'm contributing to the way that this situation is happening. Yes. So if somebody texts me at 8 p.m. and I immediately, and this is where resentment comes up, I get resentful. Don't they know to not text me at 8 p.m.? No, they don't. No, they don't. Maybe they work shifts. I used to work shifts. I used to work every other Sunday from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Mm. I would text people at 8 p.m. on a Sunday. Mm. I'd leave a voicemail for my doctors or my therapist at 8 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. So it wasn't my responsibility it wasn't their responsibility to deal with my feelings in that moment. Mm. And so I would feel that discomfort finally sitting down and being like, why am I uncomfortable with this? Like, why am I projecting this as a problem with them? It's not, it's a problem with me. Mm. And again, there often tends to be a lot of shame around that just because it's a problem with you. Doesn't mean it's like a massive problem. It is just something that you have to adjust. We're not responsible for why we burnt out, we are responsible for recovering. Mm. We do need to take responsibility moving forward. So I don't want to say that it doesn't matter how you get to burnout because there are, you know, massive cultural things that contribute to burnout that, that do matter and should change. But at the point in time at which you figure out that you're burnt out, your only responsibility is to just move forward. Yeah. That biggest you can't stuff. change what got you there. You can change how, how you respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. With, love and self-compassion and grace so much grace you know and that's one of the things like we don't demonize people's coping mechanisms if you if you stress eat i stress eat (laughs) i saw a great meme recently that said something like um it was like some people are like oh i'll just eat this food because it's good for me and it's me. And it's like, I'm going to eat that thing that usually hurts my stomach because I want to see if it hurts my stomach today. (laughs) Like that is still something that I have mac and cheese for dinner tonight. Should I have? Absolutely not. I know I'm going to feel like trash tomorrow. So, but I'm aware of that. And I largely stay away from it. I'm responsible for that moving forward. And I understand that that's a contributing factor. And I do that with eyes wide open and I had a stressful day today. So I'm not demonizing how I dealt with it. Yeah. Just hold space for it. That's it. Messy, beautiful life. 
that's messy, beautiful life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, you also, I also know that you are trained in hypnotherapy as well. So I have just done my first level of certification in hypnotherapy. So um, I'm very much in the beginning of my journey, but I would love to just talk a little bit about that. Um, and I guess the power of, you know, some of what we've spoken about has been, you know, that, that body the the physical symptoms the emotional or mental symptoms as well and we've talked a lot about consciousness and the the importance of becoming awareness or consciousness the awareness Mm -hmm. of when something's not working for us whether it be burnout or whether it be whatever but I'd love to delve delve a little bit into the unconscious mind and perhaps you know some of your experience or what you see as the benefits of hypnosis and how you've kind of because I love you meant I'm going off on the tangent here again, but I love what you mentioned at the start about, you know, how, how important and valuable Western medicine is to us and how lucky we are to have access to those sorts of things and how important it is to take a more holistic view. And I am such a fan of anyone that bring, helps to bring together those two worlds because it's something that I've been passionate about, despite the fact that I don't work particularly in the medical world, but I've been passionate about it for a very long time. It's never really made any sense to me while we don't, why we don't more holistically work together. So coming back to the original question about hypnosis, obviously in the context of the fact that you can provide something much more holistic. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Is there any, not a question, but just a thought starter, I suppose. I would love yeah, to no, we thoughts. can totally riff off of that. Um, hypnosis is really interesting. Like part of, you know, collecting all of the skills that I have was trying to heal a lot of my own junk. Um, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but no. it's uh, it's written by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And um, it's one of my favorite books. I, I actually talk about it a lot. And it talks about the way the body stores emotional trauma mm. and how it manifests as pain. And um, there's a line that one of his colleagues says, he quotes uh, his colleague, that all research is me search. So that's one of the things that kind of led me to hypnosis was I have, you know, I had a a traumatic childhood incident. My biological mother passed away when I was 13 months old. Mm -hmm. And from the ages of zero to six, you're in, you're constantly in what's we know as alpha brainwave states. So for listeners, um, you have uh, several levels of brainwaves. So your beta brainwaves are kind of when you're up and awake and doing stuff and your alpha waves are kind of like the, the level that you're at during REM sleep. So when you dream, which is the way that our brain processes information and learns and deprograms when we sleep, you can get that through hypnosis and meditation. So it's the same brain wavelength that you go into alpha or theta, um, which is a, a much lower one as well. Deeper, I should say, not necessarily lower. Um, So what makes these beneficial is they're very, very good learning states and you have higher neuroplasticity when you are in these states. Mm. So when you want to change a habit or examine, you know, past trauma and engage with that in a non-traumatic way that in an environment that feels safe, it's really useful to do that in a state of hypnosis or deep meditation. And with burnout, like I had mentioned before, burnt out brains have a really hard time meditating. Um, One of the things that we often recommend for that is yoga nidra. Mm. So 
yoga nidra is it's yoga, but it's not like movement-based yoga. So usually what you do is you lie in a comfortable position and it's a form of guided relaxation where you focus on and relax individual parts of your body. So it might be your individual fingers and then your hand and your wrist. And you do this in such a progressive way that it teaches you to be aware of your body in a somatic way while also simultaneously relaxing it. And there's actually research that indicates that this helps the left and right hemispheres of the brain talk to each other more efficiently, which is really useful in burnout because your, your brain can shrink as a result of stress. Mm. So anything that allows you to get into that relaxed state, into that parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest allows you to literally grow your brain back. And as that happens, you have more flexibility to engage with just regular guided meditations and things like that. And so that's one of the ways that like hypnosis slash meditation, I often tend to lump those two together Mm. because they embody very similar things. Hypnosis, you often do with somebody else, although you can do self-hypnosis meditation, most people do on their own. Um, And then one of the things that I'll do sometimes with clients is um, ego state work. Uh, or ego state therapy. And there's a great book literally called ego state therapy by a guy named Gordon Emerson. And it talks about the way we have different aspects of our personality and how they engage with the world. And so let's say at, I don't know, five, six years old, you really wanted your parents' attention and they just wouldn't give it to you. They were really busy. They were going through a really stressful time and you got used to not getting what you needed in that moment. And it felt like I can't ask for what I need because I won't get it. That creates an ego state that then associates asking for help with rejection and you carry that with you. And so that becomes a piece of your personality, not necessarily a core aspect of it, but enough of a part of it that as you get older, when you start a business, you don't ask for help. Because you automatically assume, especially if this is reinforced over time, because not everybody can meet everyone's needs all the time. So you're going to get rejections. Mm. If that wires in your brain, that repetition, that you're always going to be rejected. If you ask for help, you're just going to stop asking for help. And you're going to become a type A control freak, raise his hand, (laughs) um, who tries to do everything themselves. You know, that's not exactly how my pattern manifested. That's not a personal example, but I do have that aspect of my personality that struggles to ask for help. And that's been one of the things that I've really had to work on. And that's one of the things that I started exploring with hypnosis and ego state work. Um, And it largely comes from my mother passing away because Mm. she passed away at an age where I was still in that heavy attachment phase to a parent. And so it was like, oh, I can't rely on my caregivers which is not something that my father, who is one of my favorite people ever indicated to me, you know, that I always knew he was going to be there for me. He was a very like steadfast present person. Um, But just having that experience of my mom passing away was enough for that to wire in my little brain and getting into a state of hypnosis where I can engage with that in a state where I have expanded neuroplasticity, expanded capacity to rewire my brain Mm. really helped me engage with that. So it's not it's not that it isn't a part of my personality now, but it's an aspect of my personality that I'm aware of. Yeah. I know when it comes up, I can talk to it. You know, we talk to these things like they're actual people because they're a part of you and you're a person. Um, So doing that kind of work has allowed me to recognize that and say, 
hey, little one, I see you. What's going on? How can my other parts, my more resourceful parts support you? What can we do to make you feel safer so I can ask for help? You know, so it gives you this ability to engage with yourself in a more comprehensive and integrated way. Yes, because our unconscious or subconscious is so often running the show in a way that we're just not even aware of. So I think anything that can help us move that, move something from our unconscious into our conscious is when kind of the good stuff begins and also you know through hypnosis in this example sending those little messages to the subconscious to play ball in a better way I guess to to come to the party and and kind of move it into there so we've got a little bit more control over it yeah and also not again this comes along with like not demonizing because that part of you as a child that was that created that ego state that was doing something protective and really helpful. So showing up and showing gratitude for that and saying, this has really helped me at times, because if you shame anyone or anything, they're not going to want to engage. They're not going to want to play ball. That's not how you get integration. So being able to say, you've done really good work. It seems like you're tired. Would you like to hand that off to somebody, you know, a different ego state who loves asking for help and is really good at it and take a job that maybe makes you feel better. You can have a different name. You can be a different thing. You can evolve to be a more functional aspect of the overall personality, Mm. but we're still grateful for what you did. Absolutely. Because it was protective, you know, it was protective in that moment for you when you're, you know, for you, when you're a young child, for anyone, when they were a young child as to whatever they were going through, that it actually has played a part. And I, I think that's just such an important part of acknowledging the ego work is, is is to acknowledge that and so I love that you've you've brought that up I also love what you said about like the yoga nidra example um you know what again for people that say that they're not meditators or they're not good at meditating there are so many different ways of meditation that are not just about lying completely still and making your mind vacant there is so much stuff out there you know even stuff like tapping and breath work that I know for me, for someone who has a busy mind or, you know, it's, it's getting much quieter now, which is good, but having something either physical to focus on, a physical element of it or some sort of guide I think is just so important and it just comes back to not just trying one thing and then giving up and saying that it doesn't work. Yeah, I've been meditating for years And I say that in air quotes because it is absolutely a practice. And for a very, very long time, as in up until maybe about a month ago, I almost exclusively needed guided meditations because my brain goes so fast and so much that if I don't have someone else's voice to focus on, I literally can't like, and it can even be a challenge for me. I can listen to it and not hear it. So I have one of those kind of like ADHD brains that is like, yeah, no, it's just several things can be happening at once. And I'm, I'm hearing or experiencing all of them, but not really engaging properly in, in a sensory way with any of them. Mm. And, um, there are some meditations that are just music with like binaural beats. Um, that I found recently on insight timer because I'm obsessed with it. How good is it? it? (laughs) It's so good. This is not like a paid advertisement. I I just love it so much. Um, And I've recorded a couple of meditations on there as well, but I found some, and I really happen to like those. And the, the combination of the music and the binaural beats 
functions in such a way that my brain can actually hold that and kind of focus on that. But even that is just a focus. Like there is never a time where I don't have my earbuds in when I'm meditating because I need something. I need something to engage with to get myself into that state. Mm, Yeah. So important, this experimentation and just exposing stuff. And we're so lucky that we have you know, as challenging as the internet can be sometimes, we have so much access to information, um, so much access to free resources, as well as obviously working with guides or coaches or or healers, anyone to support us as well. So it is, although sometimes the information coming at us can be overwhelming, I think we are really lucky to have access, even just to conversations like this, that, you know, you and I on other sides of the world, just chatting about all things, all of these good things, I think is, is a win. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just talking to some people recently about how much like the world has changed in my lifetime of the information age, because like I grew up in a time without internet, mm. my kids will never not know the internet. Know, and it's like, right. oh no, at Christmas, when you wanted presents, your mom got the JCPenney catalog and handed it to you in October and said, circle what you want. I have to order it. And she would get on the phone and order it. So like, yeah, the internet age just blows my mind these days, but we do have some pretty amazing resources as a result. <laughs> yeah. So before we, I have to start wrapping this up, which always comes too soon for my liking. I just want to talk <laughs> a little bit because you also have a love of tarot and I would love to know a little bit about how you use that in your own personal practice. Uh, so I actually use it in my business practice as well. Right. Tarot has been a love affair of mine um, for about 20 years. I got into it in college and I didn't really understand a whole lot about it. It seemed like this very, this thing that you needed to know so much about. Mm. And the older that I've gotten, the more intuitive it has become. And the more I appreciate the practicality of tarot, because we think about it as this divination tool that tells your future. And that's not how I use it. Uh, So I'll pick a card and think on it. You know, if the devil comes up, it's like, okay, what aspect of my shadow self has been popping up in my life lately? Where am I possibly self-sabotaging? Are there relationships in my life that aren't serving that I'm, you know, not showing up or showing up in a negative way? So it becomes a thought prompt for me Mm. and the same with spreads. Um, so I'll do this with clients as well. I'll pick a card before they come on a call and I'll say, all right, this is what popped up. This is what the archetype means or what the card means. What does that mean for you? Where is that showing up in your life? And you get really interesting, raw conversations because a people aren't usually expecting it. So it just kind of opens this really interesting fun Pandora's box of whatever comes out. Yeah. And B it's a much more organic way to examine the self because it's not like, okay, we have this idea and we get to think about it first. It's like, Oh no, whatever comes up is what comes up. Yeah. What bubbles up inside of you? Where do you feel it in your body? You know, if, if a particular card comes up, if like the three of swords comes up, which is a card traditionally about heartbreak, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get a divorce or go through a breakup. What in your life are you afraid of losing? what, you know, if, if a business fail, I've been worried about my business failing, what am I doing? Am I mourning that? You know, like, so these are the types of things that tarot can be really useful for. It's not necessarily, what does the card mean? Yeah. Literally as it applies to you for like actual heartbreak, it's where does that show up in your life as an individual? Because your heartbreak is going to be different from mine. Yes. 
Yes, I love it. I love it. I love hearing about people's different kind of interpretations of I'm, I ha- don't have a connection to tarot. I kind of stick with the oracle cards. But I remember having this realisation and maybe a bit similar to you where I was like I did treat them as this mystical, magical thing, which I think everything is mystical and magical actually. But, you know, it's like <laughs> there's, some, there's some power in this box or something. And, and I remember having this moment where I was like, oh, all this does is allows me to tune into my own intuition and receive the messages that I have needing to be received or that have been in there and need to come out in some way. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it was amazing how the world expands after that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that, yeah. that was actually around the time that I started reading for other people because I've only been reading for other people for a couple of years. Mm. Um, I was reading for myself for, you know, 18 before that. Um, and I started, and nowadays several of my clients will tell you that I am psychic. I'm like, please don't say that. (laughs) I don't bill myself as that. If it happens, like that's great. But like, this is a thought exercise. (laughs) So, Oh, I love it. Or we could go into a whole different tangent about the attachment of people to words and words like psychic and all of that sort of stuff. But that's another podcast. That's another podcast. That's another episode. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It has been so wonderful chatting with you before we wrap up. I would just love to know, Uh, what truly brings you joy and when was the last time you did it oh man what truly brings me joy music Mm. music is life for me it is I had a solo dance party last night in my apartment so that happens quite a bit um me and my cats and my headphones and (laughs) just singing at the top of my lungs Mercifully, my neighbors are really cool. He's a gamer. So he always has like big headphones on and he can't hear me. Um, But yeah, music is kind of a universal truth for me. There is, there has never been a time in my life where I haven't been able to find a piece of music that connects to how I feel. And like, if I need to cry, I cry. Like if I really need a good hard cry, I put on Amanda Palmer's point of it all. It's such a beautiful, heartbreaking song. And I know that if I have unprocessed emotions, unprocessed emotions, I can put that on and I can actually get that out. You know, I know what makes me feel good. I know what I need to move my body to. I love watching people create music. I love creating music with them. It's such a connecting universal experience. You can see people from all over the world who don't speak the same language, but who resonate with a sound. And I think that is one of the most amazing things in the world. So that, that has been an indelible part of who I am for Mm. as long as I can remember, as long as I have conscious memory, music has been a part of my life. It was a part of my father's and then my maternal grandmother's as well. So it's, it's in my lineage. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that. There is so much power in, in music and then just sound as well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So where can people, obviously everything will be in the show notes, but where is the best place for people to get in contact with you? Where do you hang out most online? Uh, You can get in contact with me through my website or through Instagram. My website is www.theburnoutwitch.com. And I am on Instagram at the burnout, Witch. I also have a TikTok that I am absolutely not active on uh, (laughs) at the burnout, Witch as well. Um, But Instagram is where most of my information and tomfoolery ends up. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful chat. I have so appreciated it. And, you know, I think that we could have gone on talking forever and ever, which people are probably <laughs> sick of me saying because I say it all the time, but I've just been so blessed with such beautifully aligned guests. Um, so thank you for being one of those. Oh, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate uh, you holding space and creating space for conversations like this. It's really amazing. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please, uh, as always, give a rating. Let Eliza and I know what you thought about the episode. Connect with us on social media and share with your friends. Until next time, much love. Bye.